Mawale. For the win. And welcome to another edition of All In WFUV's Women's Sports Podcast. I'm Julia Moss, joined with Miles Grossman and Annabelle Watson, and we have a lot to get to. It feels like Annabelle, how yeah, are you? have been kind of cycling off between talking about the WNBA, US soccer, WNBA. Well, this week we're going to get into both because a lot is happening in both, and we can't help but talk about both sports this week. But before we get into that, Miles, I see you're on campus right now. It looks beautiful outside. How has that how's outdoors been? Yeah, it, it, you're exactly right. It's sparkling outside. I mean, it's gorgeous. Um, it's, it's a nice warm day. And, you know, the Liberty, I think, on this West Coast swing have, have proved a lot to, to me personally. I mean, I've been someone who's said time and time again that I don't think that the current state of the Liberty can compete with the Aces. But obviously, the Aces have looked far more human this month than they ever have. And now, the Liberty seemed to have hit their stride at the right time. And, you know, I'll be the first to, to, to correct myself and say, wow, the Liberty really do have a chance, even on the road in Las Vegas. How are you doing, Annabelle? I'm good. Uh, it's definitely a beautiful day here in Connecticut as well. Um, and I think in Liberty land, everything's pretty good and happy, but not so much in U.S. women's national team land. So kind of contrasting episode here today but I'm excited to get into it with you guys listen at least it's not all bad that's the one thing I'll take away from this but we're going to start with the good and with the bad and that good that we're starting with is of course the New York Liberty of course they lost last night 88 to 75 finally kind of coming back down to earth if you will of a I believe it was a six or a seven game uh win streak but let's break down let's break down this game because it's insane to me how lopsided these matches have been both ways because coming into the season it was like oh my gosh every time the Liberty played the Aces it's going to be an overtime thriller it's going to be a high scoring marquee matchup and that's not what we've gotten ever it's been I think the average was like 24 points different margin per game for the first three matchups but this game wasn't even that close 13 points yeah 13 points 75 88 and we're like, oh my gosh, this was the first kind of close game. It's it's crazy how this is kind of the perspective that we have on this matchup this season. But at the end of the day, the Liberty fall. Brianna Stewart had a tough game. Asia Wilson had a tough start, which are the two MVP candidates. So I saw this tweet that was super funny where I was like, Alyssa, this is Alyssa Thomas's favorite matchup. But um, I'll start with Miles. Miles, what were your what were your takeaways on this most recent matchup? Yeah, I'm honestly pretty happy with the way the Liberty hung in, given the context. I mean, they were celebrating the commissioner's cup, you know, as with champagne, you know, acting like it, it. I mean, you know, given that it is something to take seriously, 
if, if you're going to celebrate a, a midseason tournament win like that and then have to play just a few nights later, I wouldn't expect them to come out hot. And especially for the Aces, having to watch the Liberty on their home court celebrate that Commissioner's Cup victory, I just assumed, you know, the Aces were going to come out on fire. So, you know, Liberty hung in it for three quarters, but kind of that letdown in the fourth doesn't shock me. I mean, you have to play eight tough quarters in Las Vegas, especially given that celebration, the emotional high of that. You know, it makes sense that they're going to come out a bit lackluster that down the stretch in the fourth. But I think one of the biggest takeaways about this stretch for me is that it's all been in Las Vegas. And, you know, say what you will about, you know, what they've done in New York, but it's a whole different ballgame. Having to go to the defending champs, right? Becky Hammond and co. Comfortable as can be on their home turf. The Liberty have proved that they can kind of compete with the Liberty, excuse me, compete with Aces from a, you know, a toughness perspective, from a physicality perspective on the road. And that's going to be huge come playoff time. Yeah, I think given how impressive this run has been, the loss last night is not too disappointing for me. I think it was good to see them kind of hang in for all four quarters. We've discussed at length how the Liberty tend to not really hang in for all four quarters, and they displayed that last night. And, you know, I think there was a lot of turnovers last night, did get a little sloppy, but kind of to Miles's point, I think that they the aces were kind of coming out fiery after having to see their opponent celebrate on their home court. So they definitely wanted the win a little bit more probably. And, you know, I think that, like I said, given the this impressive run, I think that this loss, you know, the Liberty just kind of need to put it under their belt and continue and continue to play well like they have been for the rest of the season. Yeah, I chalked this loss up a lot like the loss to the Lynx after their like insane five games in a week schedule because this is it kind of had all the makings for a loss miles as you mentioned coming off the commissioner cup win um having to play in las vegas again and then also right in the middle of a, a road stretch i mean they have a few more games on the road it's not easy by any means um but listen i'm happy with the first two blowouts to be completely honest and it's it. I think it's a great side. Uh, this this past loss aside, that you know the the narrative going into the season and God, especially at the beginning of the season, especially for me and Miles, it was very much like Aces are in their own echelon of the Liberty are like pretty significantly down with the rest of the WNBA. But it's looking like the Liberty have really played into this season, and you know no, probably benefiting from the ridiculous amount of matchups that they have with the Aces. I mean, they still play them at least one more time. I'm looking at the schedule. Now they play them at their next home game. That'll be their last matchup until the, hopefully the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Liberty are on a good stretch and the rest of their season is not that difficult. They play the sun twice and the aces once, but outside of that, it's, it's looking pretty good. That that mystics last matchup could be interesting if Della Don comes back. But other than that, I think we're looking at uh, two one seeds. I don't, are they in the same conference? No. In the WNBA, they do. Um, they don't have enough teams, so they just Got it's it. one. Got it. Well, they're looking at a two seed then. First. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I, my next question before we we change topics a little bit is, what do you want to see down the stretch? I mean, we're we're in the last stretch of this season. What do you want to see from this team moving forward? Start with Miles. 
Yeah, I think just that team defense to stay consistent. And, you know, a large part of those two blowout victories against the Aces were kind of the Aces self-destructing. I mean, they didn't they would have lost to a bulk of the teams in the W both of those nights. The Liberty, obviously, they did a great job defensively. But the, the Aces, I mean, they looked far more offensively stagnant, not moving the ball well, you know, worse than they have in the last couple of years, really ever in, in the Becky Hammond era. You know, I think it was the, the first time that they'd ever been held under 70 points. And it was the only two times it was against the Liberty just now. And I think, you know, a big part of this stretch is just that the Aces haven't been themselves this month. So if this is going to, if this is going to be the product down the stretch in the playoffs, the Liberty are going to have to really notch it up defensively. But I, I, given what they've looked like the last couple of weeks, I don't doubt they seem like they're really progressing on, on track. So I'm excited what what the Liberty have defensively going. And, you know, it seems that they're they're much more of a unit now. And, and John Quell is just, you know, such a presence inside. And, you know, when John Quell is that dominant down low, it just opens things up for everybody else. You see more opportunities for even role players like Thornton and Marine in the last couple of games, especially the blowout on the road in Las Vegas. They were absolutely pivotal. So I think, you know, I guess touched on two points right there would be the bench play from, from Thornton and Marine and then absolutely, you know, keeping that defensive unit uh, one. Yeah, I think it's kind of no doubt that they've, flip the script a little bit in this past stretch but um my I think for me the key is really the bench um in these games Marine has been a big role player and now you have Steph Dolson back you have Han back so I think that that bench is really a key and you know not to compare them just to the aces but Right now, the Aces have a huge, huge bench issue. Um, Alicia Clark is really their only rotation player right now. And if she's to go down, then they're they're kind of out of luck. So I think if that bench continues to get the production that they have been, I think that's a huge key. Obviously, the defense is a huge key. And then also another thing, I know this has been a discussion kind of earlier on in the season, but... I think sometimes we still are seeing Stewie have these games where she just absolutely goes off. And then the next game, she kind of has a subpar performance. Um, You know, that happened yesterday night's game. She she was not her normal self. So I think a big thing would probably for Stewie to stay stay consistent and, you know, maybe not necessarily having those insane games, but just kind of dropping maybe like. 20 to 30 points every game. I think just consistency for her is is a huge key. Well, we're going to move over a little bit to something not necessarily on the court related, but Sabrina Unescu's shoes were stolen from the Las Vegas Aces uh, visiting locker room. Um, it was a Sabrina one. She tweeted out, never thought I would get my shoes stolen from opposing arena. Please just bring my insoles back. RIP to my Sabrina ones. So, Definitely not what you want to see, but Miles, we talked a little bit before the podcast, and I know you have some opinions about this, so I'm just going to let you take the floor here. I mean, something about this is a bit suspicious to me, Julia. I think, you know, I was at the most recent Liberty-hosted Aces game, and before the game, there was a Kathy, you know, Commissioner Kathy press conference, and she spoke a lot about one of the big keys for the NBA solidifying themselves as a major league was creating rivalry 
and how the WNBA is going to do everything in their power to create rivalries specifically between New York and Los Angeles. Excuse me, New York and Los Angeles. New York and Las Vegas. And I think, you know, is it a little conspiratorial? Sure. But I think, you know, if the Aces really had a staff member remove these, it was not out of a genuine theft. It was to create this media stir and to create this quote-unquote rivalry, right? I, I don't think the intentions were to, to – to, what are they going to do? Is the idea that the shoes are sitting in someone's basement and there's some relic? There's no way that anyone's thinking like that. I mean, the, if it was actually executed by the Aces, it was a media stunt. And I would even go as far to say it, it, it could even be – you know, some, the Liberty equipment staff could totally be implicated. I mean, it, 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 they would remove themselves and say it, it's in the Liberty's best interest to create this narrative as well. It's in everybody's best interest. It's just something about it seems a little bit suspicious. You know, the star player, the visiting team. It, I, I have a little bit too much faith in the Las Vegas staff. But maybe, maybe I'm being naive. Maybe I'm being the opposite of naive. Are you? Yeah, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense because Sab, you know, she's been in the media a lot recently with this. And then she also got selected to be on the cover of uh, the WNBA version of 2K. So I know that was a big thing. And there was also kind of some controversy about her being picked over Asia Wilson. But, you know, I think it could be entirely possible. I think it's funny that she said, you know, I never think I would get a pair of shoes stolen from the arena. How about your own shoes? Like literally your name is on the shoes. They're your model of shoes and they just got completely swiped. So, I mean, I hope she gets them back. But in a way, it's kind of a funny little lighthearted story for the W community. The only thing for me that makes me think Miles's theory is just a little bit correct because I want to be clear overall I don't me and Miles are on different opposite ends of this issue I think that they were actually stolen but to Miles to Miles's uh point I don't know if, if my personal shoes were stolen I think I would be a little more upset I think her tweet was maybe a little too lighthearted. you know please just like she's making she's cracking jokes I don't know how easy it is for her to get you know those insoles and and those shoes back but if I had my own personal shoes that I wore during games and they were swiped, I would probably be like genuinely upset, not cracking jokes. But, you know, maybe Sabrina Inescu is just a really, really, you know, good loser of shoes. And, and this is genuinely how she feels. And here's another interesting point is will somebody lose their job over this? If it's true, if it's not a fake story, if it's not concocted, somebody will be proven to be the culprit. They will get exposed. They will lose their career with the Las Vegas Aces. If that never comes about and this quietly disappears, I think it's safe to say both parties had something to do with this. And, you know, it's so funny because I'm working for this summer in form equipment. And there was a, a, a size 15 men's basketball shoes missing. And it was a serious debate. Like, they, they it was about like every student worker is about to lose access yada 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 and this is for you know a, a ridiculous accusation because who wants a size 15 shoe but this is at Florida let alone if we're talking about the Las Vegas Aces like if, if this is the end of the story there's no doubt in my mind that this is fake totally fair point Miles 
we're going to switch over just a little bit here. Well, actually, a lot of bit. We're going to switch sports. We're going to go over to the United States Women's National Team news because, boy, has it been uh, a crazy few days in the world of the United States national team. I am not going to say too much about this because per my mom, I am way too harsh on Black Wojnarowski, but he was fired. So, I mean, maybe my comments before were were justified. She sent me a text after he resigned saying it was my fault for my comments on one-on-one about him, but I digress. You, everyone has heard how I feel about Black Wojnarowski. I've been I should I've been saying I should make an edit of all the times I've flamed him. <laughs> over a year and a half ago I mean this has been consistent since the start of all in I think the first episode I was like this guy needs to go and that was over a year ago and here we are I'm a genius and uh the USSF the federation is is not not geniuses but point being Vlad Gronanovsky is fired I'll open up the floor here Annabelle we'll start with you what are your initial thoughts well I can confirm that you are probably the biggest Vladko hater I've ever encountered, but I do think it's for good reason. I mean, this might be a like big statement, but I think in some ways you can kind of put the sole blame on him for them, you know, having this loss. Um, obviously, this wasn't really unexpected um, because the expectations were so high for this team and they just really did not live up up to them and you know I think there was a lot of managerial mistakes as far as the lineup and positions certain players were playing throughout the tournament and you know I think that it's kind of a good written situation I think the team can move on to a different coach kind of turn over a new leaf because you know we've discussed at length that you know the U.S. women's national team they're kind of entering this new era Um, And so hopefully a new coach can kind of start things fresh and we can forget about the the days of Vlatko and all these mistakes and and just start fresh. Yeah, I think it's important to mention that it's not just Vlatko going out. It's, It's the GM, too. And I think when you look at two changes at the top, you know, you're really looking at an entirely new era from, you know, from from the top from the top down. And I think that. You know, the last three World Cups have been this this core. And then now that you have a couple new names on the rise, those are going to end up having to be the next generation superstars. As we know, by the time the U.S. will next be in contention for a World Cup, you have to assume this entire generation of Alex Morgan, et cetera, will be either you know, very past, very much past their prime or, or retired from the national team stage. So, you know, I think there's no doubt that the future has never been more in question for the U.S. women's national team in, the, in my lifetime, at least. And I think, you know, it, it's going to be on those young young superstars, uh, of course, including Rodman, I feel like is a big, you know, uh, kind of like a, a can be a catalyst for this team. But, you know, it, there's no doubt it's a new era. I know I said I wouldn't say a lot of thoughts, but I actually am. I've decided I have things to say. The first thing I want to say is that you look at this World Cup roster and there is a there is a clear prime age of a soccer player when they're really at their peak fitness, and that's somewhere between the age of 23 to 29. And you look at the amount of players who are in that age range, and it was like not a lot whatsoever. There were a lot of players over 30 and a lot of players under 23. And you know what that means? That means that Vladko Anonofsky took those four years, those three years between the Olympics and the World Cup, and did absolutely nothing. He did 
nothing. That is the point in time where you're supposed to introduce players to the national team, get them comfortable, and build them into your system. That's the thing that I think Vladko Anonofsky was missing so much, is he just picked, basically tried to make an NWSL all-star team. And that's not how you build a national team. Each player has a role. Each You have to have a role that you think is going to do well and then pick players that fit the role that you want, not the other way around. He has brought in just the players that he thinks he thinks are the best at each position, which is not how you build a team, especially on a soccer team at the national stage. And that's something Jill Ellis did really well. Pia Soonhagen, they all did that very well. And that's why we saw national championships from both of those coaches. Vladko Anonofsky was not fit for this job whatsoever. I uh, had no familiarity with, you know, how the national team actually runs, came straight from club level. So I think that's the biggest thing for me is that, you know, that's kind of your big job as a manager of a national team is introducing players and putting them in positions to succeed starting somebody who has who had never had a cap with the national team for the first two games of the world cup is absurd you that's unheard of that's not putting that player in a position to succeed at all you don't start you don't start savannah DeMello for the first two games of the world cup unless you've introduced her to the national team prior to the the world cup roster being announced and that's not what he did so as far as like ways I can rationalize the decisions that he's made I am I've come up empty because it's not like he hasn't had great role models and great examples of what it means to be a good manager before him because like I said Jill Ellis two two world cups like she did incredible an incredible incredible job I actually don't know if she won two it might have just been 2019 but anyways um that's it's I'm just going to go over his resume real quick he, in, in major tournaments he went three wins two losses and five ties so um, if you do the math there that is not winning any of those tournaments he uh, led a team that defeated Vietnam woot, woot, probably like 200th in the national rankings and then drew versus the Netherlands Portugal and Sweden which they would actually eventually lose so I would actually count that in the loss category in the 2021 Tokyo Olympics, they defeated New Zealand and Australia, and that uh, Australia game was a bronze medal match. Again, I'm not too thrilled about that. Uh, lost to Canada and Sweden, and then drew versus the Netherlands and Australia. So um, when you look at the U.S. Women's National Team in major tournaments, that's not what you want to see whatsoever. Um, but he has a lot of uh, interest from club teams, and I don't want – it to be mistaken uh, by my criticism of Vladko Anonofsky. He is an incredible club coach. That's why he got called up as the national team manager because he did really well at the club level. And I wish the best for him as he goes back to the club level. It's it's rumored that he's heading to the San Diego, not San Diego wave, the Kansas City current. That, that might be his next destination um, because he uh, from Kansas City, I believe. Um, but I do think he's going to thrive again in the club level. It's just clear he was a, just not suited for this specific position. And it's unfortunate because this specific position is a team that I care about so much and have cared about since I was eight years old. So that really is just the rationale behind why maybe I've been a little bit critical of him, but I don't hate him as a person. I think he's going to do great as he goes back to the National Women's Soccer League. And I wish him genuinely the best, but it's time to look forward a bit about who the next head coach is going to be. I have already said this, and I've said this again for over a year. Laura Harvey should be the head coach, the head manager of this U.S. Women's National Team. It's absurd 
that has taken this long. And it's also absurd that they haven't reached out to her for an interview yet, or at least that's not publicized yet. But guys, I'll, I'll throw this out to you. What do you want to see in the next manager? Or who do you want to see the next manager be? Yeah, I mean, I think Laura Harvey is a great um, candidate just because she has experience working with, you know, international teams, um, not just the NWSL, which I think was a shortcoming of Flacco, like you said. Um, And, you know, I think it would be kind of cool to see another woman be the head coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, just because, you know, for I think in the United States for women's sports, the U.S. Women's National Team is like really the the champion of women's sports and creates so much attention for women's sports here in America. And I think that if a woman was to be their leader again, I think that would be awesome. Yeah, I think I'm looking in a similar direction. I think, you know, there's a lot of options for the U.S. to go. I feel like this is one of the more coveted jobs in this realm, but you know, looking at who, who would have the strongest resume, I think I'm looking at Serena Wigman, right? You know, she's, I feel like she, when you look at shot after coaches, she's got to be right up there with the best of them. But no matter what the U.S. do, it's, it, it, it's not going to come all that quickly, I don't think. And it's going to take a little bit of a transitional period. And, you know, I don't think that th- these fans are used to being patient, but they might have to get used to it. Yeah, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned uh, Serena Wigman. It is uh, not looking good on that front, as great as that would be, because she is so good at uh, at being a manager. She's won, uh, she's gotten to the final of the World Cup twice, uh, won a couple Euros. You know, the the really the res- resume is just incredible. But a couple of facts about that: England will reject approaches for Wagman from rival countries, and of course, the rival country they're hinting at there is, of course the United States of America. And then she also said today, she said, I quote, I have a contract until 2025. I'm really enjoying my job. And I have the impression that people still like me doing that job. I have no plans to leave. And she probably shouldn't because this as coveted as this U S women's national team spot might be there. Also, it also comes with some negative draws to it as well. There is a lot of expectation, like the most expectation in the whole world And not exactly, you're not at a place where you have the current talent. I think they still have the best roster in the world, but they're in such a transitionary period that the expectations and the realistic time frame that those expectations will be met might not be level because of how mismanaged this current transition was. It's kind of like redoing the entire transition again, which sets this team back, you know, up to four years. So um, it, it will take someone who's, you know, a high profile candidate, but someone who knows that maybe you're going to have to manage the expectations of the media and more importantly, the U.S. women's national team fans who have been privileged to watch a team dominate for the better part of 20 years. So Serena Wagman, not going to be the next coach, likely, unless something absolutely insane happens. If she were to be the next coach, I would, I, I wouldn't be, I would be so surprised and just so over the moon because I think she's she's by far the best coach in the women's game right now and it's not even close. So to be able to get someone like that, but again, I think it's kind of our U.S. women's national team privilege and just kind of, I don't know, we're not used to 
to a team probably being better than us and probably having a better situation. Why would Serena Wagman want to leave England to come to the United States? Like the United States job is probably a worse job than where she's at right now, which is kind of a, a new situation that I feel like we've never been in before. We're going to have to get used to. Um, they have, however, reached out to interview. This is the first person that has been uh, leaked that they're reaching out for an interview. And that's Luis Cortez. He was the uh, head coach, the manager of Barcelona women's. Um, however, uh, I haven't done too much research into this, but I did see that uh, he is no longer with the team because the team asked him to be fired. So not a great start there, but uh, he won quite a bit there. But as Annabelle said, I really would like this to be a woman in this position. So those are my thoughts. Before we wrap up, guys, where does this team need to go from here just in a general sense? I'm keeping it open for a reason. Take it however you want. Annabelle, we can start with you. Well, I guess you kind of have to look ahead to the Olympics um, for this team. And I think they just need to have the confidence knowing that they are the U.S. They are, they were at one time so storied and, you know, they have a huge huge amount of fans around them and I think that they have to adapt to whoever the new leadership is and just continue to you know be inspiring and a in a fun team to watch and hopefully they're a little bit more successful in the Olympics yeah I think the next chapter is really kind of what you touched on earlier Julia is what wasn't happening with this era right you get young players some caps right early on get them that national team experience so you're built for tomorrow a little bit more than you are today right don't repeat yesterday's mistakes I mean it's all about you know developing those young players and experience is obviously key and I think you know down the stretch in the world cup that's really where you know a, a lot of the, the question marks, head coach and decisions lie, right? You know, about how, how to handle those young players. That's the, that whole attitude. Absolutely. And, you know, the Olympics is going to be a huge, huge test for, for this women's national team. It's going to be a – hopefully they're going to take it as a chance for redemption. But that is to be determined. It seems so far away, but also it's just next year. It's less than a year away. Um but that is going to do it for this episode of All In. Miles, Annabelle, thank you for joining me today. All In is a production of WFUV Sports.